Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Well, welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. I want to talk to you in this podcast about what has been happening in the news with a journalist named Jamal Khashoggi and Saudi Arabia. What a weird story. And I'm going, to, I'm going to summarize the story for you, and then I'm going to tell you what I have seen in Saudi Arabia that maybe mitigates a little bit against some of our views of the Saudis. But this story is really weird. Apparently, there's a dissident Saudi journalist named Jamal Khashoggi. He wrote for the Washington Post at one point. Uh, he wanted to get something straightened out about visas, so he went into the Saudi embassy in Istanbul, where apparently he was killed. Now, the Saudis say that he was killed in a fist fight. Uh, other people say, and some of the, certainly the Turks who hate the Saudis say, that he was murdered and then he was chopped up, that there was a doctor there literally waiting with a bone saw, and they chopped him up. Nobody's seen the body since. And now there are news reports going on that after he was killed, after he went into the Saudi embassy in Istanbul, that, he, that a body double was seen walking around in his clothes. So apparently there was some, the allegation is there was some Saudi attempt to make him look like he was alive after he had been killed. I have to tell you, this is a strange story for so many reasons, and I am absolutely not taking sides in the story, and I do not have any more information than you do about what's actually happened. But I'll tell you one thing that makes it strange. I've been in a lot of embassies in the world and a lot of embassies in basically enemy territory, speaking of the U.S. and its enemies. And they tell you when you walk in, assume that you're being overheard, assume that you're being videoed when you're coming and going. Uh, at one embassy, they even said, assume that some of the staff may not be reliable. You don't want to say anything sensitive in front of some of the, you know, the, the maids and so on. You just never know. I mean, we all know that the U.S. embassy in, in, this, in Russia back in the Soviet days was so bugged, uh, so monitored that they actually trashed the building and didn't complete the construction. I mean, this is standard fare. So about the last place you want to kill somebody is in your embassy, especially if you're the Saudis in Turkey, because the Turks have no love for the Saudis. So this, this this guy's going to be filmed going in. There might be staffers who are spies. Um, he's going to be filmed going out. He's going to be missed. And the Turks are not going to be your buddies in any kind of investigation. It's like taking somebody you want to kill into your living room and killing them there rather than in some back alley. Now, I don't mean to joke about the death of a man, but I'm just saying, uh, aside from the tragedy of this man being killed, the weirdness is that anyone would do it in an embassy in a country that is not their friend. It's just about the most videoed, monitored place you could possibly go. You don't kill him in a back alley. You don't kill him in a men's room somewhere. You don't get him back to Saudi Arabia and do it secretly if you're going to even do it. No, you do it in this high-profile way. It's just a strange story. And so it's hard to figure out what's going on. Are there competing elements in the Saudi government? And some, as Trump said at one point, a rogue element killed this man. Um, is, this, is this some botched uh, special forces operation? I, I don't no, I don't know this man. I had read some of his articles. I don't know the people in the embassy. I've never been to the Saudi embassy in Istanbul. I'm claiming to have no additional knowledge about this. What I do want to tell you is this, 
that the tragedy to me, aside from the death of a journalist, which which shouldn't happen, uh, we just shouldn't be killing journalists because they give dissident opinions. Dissident, dissident opinions will actually help us. They'll actually make us stronger. We either learn that we agree with them or we make a strong case against them, but our principles are clearer. And this is what democracy and the freedom of information and freedom of opinion means in the world. And we ought to be in, encouraging that perspective. But the tragedy of this for me is in part what's going on in Saudi Arabia that's so beautiful and noble. You see, there's a new generation on the rise. Believe it or not, Mohammed bin Salman, uh, the young heir to the throne, is actually trying to innovate. He's actually trying to change things. He's doing some amazing things with technology. Uh, he is the one who engineered women driving. Um, they're, they're trying to, to make some modifications. They're trying to democratize. They're trying to uh, move high tech. Uh, I've shared in an earlier podcast that I lecture at a university called King Abdullah University of Science and Technology. This is sort of a Saudi MIT, completely devoted to renewable energies. And they're doing amazing cutting-edge research, not just Saudi students, by the way, but students, advanced students from all over the world are doing cutting-edge, cutting-edge technology on solar energy and on hydroponics and on uh, alternate forms of electricity and every kind of thing. You, can't, you just can't believe the creativity that's there. And all of this was sponsored by King Abdullah, uh, and the university was funded by King Abdullah because he realizes that the oil is running out, that Saudi in a genera- Saudi Arabia in a generation or two will not be an oil-based company. And so they're working for uh, different kinds of energies. They're building a city called Neom, uh, which is going to be a very, very high-tech city. They've attempted things like this in the past, and they haven't really been successful, but they're, they're doing this on a massive scale. In other words, they're trying to be innovators. They're trying to take this country uh, that came out of the desert and is still largely desert and become a leader in the world in a lot of things. Now, I realize that the Wahhabi brand of Islam has given them a bad name in the world and has led them to extremes at time. And I discuss this openly with my friends in country. But what moves me about what's happening in Saudi Arabia is that there is a young, new, creative tribe on the rise that people are trying to innovate, that they're trying to break away from the old ways, um, that there's, a, uh, there, there's, even, there's even been an attempt to hold some of the religious extremes uh, in check. And the, the young people that I work with, and by young people, I'm talking talking about folks getting their doctorates in their early 30s, um, master's degrees in their late 20s, doing brilliant research and uh, scholars and eminent professors and uh, people, people who are just advanced in every way from all over the world are at this university doing amazing things, all of it sponsored by the Saudi government. And what I, what I want us to understand is that whenever we deal with any country, uh, there can be a tier of their government that perhaps is corrupt, violent, malicious. Um, but at least in the Saudi situation, while I'm making no defense of them, if, if, if indeed they did, and it certainly looks by all the evidence, it certainly looks like uh, there was a conspiracy to kill Jamal Khashoggi. And that should be condemned and it should be punished and it was evil. And I think most of the people in Saudi Arabia know that. But... There's also this other Saudi Arabia, which is this young tribe rising, which is this creative move, which is this democratization. I mean, let me tell you almost a humorous thing that illustrates this. Mohammed bin Salman, the heir apparent, the young guy whose picture you see so much these days, is in his 30s, uh, came to the United States. And he hung out, believe it or not, with The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Well, I don't know that Dwayne Johnson knows a great deal about Islam because apparently what happened was Mohammed bin Salman uh, shared some tequila uh, with Dwayne Johnson. 
And later, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, tweeted about this and said he was looking forward to reciprocating and going back to Saudi Arabia to with Mohammed bin Salman and visiting him. And he was going to bring the tequila they had been drinking. Well, apparently he doesn't know that, first of all, an Orthodox Muslim doesn't drink. And second of all, uh, alcohol is actually illegal in Saudi Arabia. It's, it's not sold at all. And, you know, you can be penalized and arrested for making it, for distilling it or, 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 you know, creating any kind of alcohol. It's not sold at all in the country. It's outlawed. In fact, I fly Saudi air when I go to and from Jeddah, which is the city just outside of where Kaust is. And, um, and there's no alcohol served on that airline. Now, I think most Americans know this, but apparently Dwayne Johnson didn't. So here he is, you know, with his prominent Twitter feed tweeting about drinking to tequila with Mohammed bin Salman. Well, it was an embarrassing moment. It was a clumsy moment. It was an unwise moment on his part. But the fact is that the heir apparent was sitting in Hollywood drinking tequila, which means even he's got questions and doubts about some of the restrictions in the country. And who knows, under his reign in so many years, the country might become open to alcohol. The issue is not alcohol. The issue is, uh, are some of these Islamic restraints going to be uh, modified? And the indication is that they are. And this is a positive trend. We want more democratization. We don't want to see people want to be Muslim of a certain stripe. They are welcome to do it. But we want to see the world basically democratic, basically allowing all faiths to uh, to thrive un, unchallenged, un, unhindered, unopposed, uh, and there be a free market of ideas. And that seems to be slowly but steadily emerging in Saudi Arabia. And all of this is happening, and I've given good reports about what they're doing technically and technologically and so on. And then this happens. And I don't have an explanation for it. But what's obvious in the story is that some elements, if not the entire Saudi Arabian government, engaged in killing this dissident journalist. And it's going to taint them as it should. And it's going to bring repercussions as it should. And my hope, though, uh, is that perhaps new elements emerge in leadership, perhaps um, a young tribe's voice is heard. Uh, perhaps some of the dissidents are heard for the first time. Apparently, Mohammed bin Salman called uh, Jamal Khashoggi's family and apologized. Um, this is a good. This is a good step. It's a relatively minor step, but it's a good step. So the point is that when we're dealing with nations like this, especially nations that are coming out of um, some old ways, uh, retro ways, uh, a traditional faith that have been a bit frozen, as we used to say during the Soviet days, we have to realize that there are those within working for reform. There are those within, sometimes even in high authority, um, who are not as they might appear. And I am sorry that this assassination, which is really what it is, has made Saudi Arabia look like the evil empire on earth. Um, and to the extent they deserve that moniker, then they just have to deal with it. But I want to tell you there are good things happening in that country. There are, were good trends. There was a reform movement happening. Uh, corruption had been opposed. Women had been liberated to some extent. Um, MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, was uh, sh showing uh, a lean towards reform, a lean towards openness. Uh, he did a 60 Minutes interview. When was the last time a, a Saudi Arab parent has done that? Uh, he's trying to do some things innovatively. He's trying to become a leader technologically worldwide. There's tremendous potential here. There are a lot of Westerners in that country uh, working in the technological fields, uh, working for these reforms, knowing that it's good for the world. Um, all I do is media training over there. I have nothing to do with the technical side. But 
But what I'm seeing on the ground is a young tribe emerging. What I'm talking to are Burqa'd Islamic women, Saudi women, who have their doctorates in technology and are planning to give cutting-edge talks in Berlin. I mean, this is what's emerging in Saudi Arabia. So they're not locked in the Middle Ages. They're emerging. And it's a tragedy that some stupid plan was hatched in the Saudi government or somewhere up, up and down the line to kill this journalist. I'm grieved that he's dead. I'm grieved that that was allowed. But I'm also grieved, I need to say, that the progress and the reform efforts in Saudi Arabia are now going to be in question. Many people in the West are going to miss them. I saw a newspaper article this morning, major newspaper says the Democrats and Republicans finally find something they can agree on, and that's their hatred for Saudi Arabia. I hate seeing that headline, not because the Saudis may not deserve to be criticized and have sanctions against them for whatever happened to Jamal Khashoggi, but because there were good things happening before this stupid move occurred. So for those of you in Congress, for those of you in leadership, for those of you in the State Department, let's make sure we're bringing the facts to the fore. Yes, this was stupid. Yes, this was murder. Uh, Yes, this was evil. But something good is still emerging in Saudi Arabia, and our policies need to acknowledge both, that there are evil elements, but that there's still a reform movement, and there is a young tribe rising in Saudi Arabia. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.